0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Having given us the characteristics of false teachers earlier in the passage, and then also uh, telling us what the enemies of truth, and last week we looked at that, the enemies of truth. Uh, Jude moves on to reveal to us in this passage what the cause and consequences are in rebellion against God. There's a cause and there's a consequence. Uh, There's a reason why people rebel against God and there's a consequence for rebellion against God. He uses, as he did in the last message that we looked at, three Old Testament illustrations for us of where false teachers or what uh, the Bible would call apostates, uh, false teachers, uh, where they go wrong, where they end up in their error and uh, what is the cause of that and where, uh, where the consequences of that are. And we see that causes in the lives of these that he mentions in verse number 11, Cain and Balaam and Korah or Kor. And we see the consequences that came to their lives. But let me be honest, as we, uh, as we looked at last week, one of the enemies of truth is rebellion against authority. These three individuals rebelled against God's authority, the highest authority that there is. And uh, I want to say this as we look at uh, this as a reminder. Proverbs chapter 6 tells us in verse 16, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Now, I don't know what would be first on your list, but the first on God's list of what is an abomination to him is a proud look. Isn't it interesting that our list often, when it comes to what is an abomination, doesn't match God's list? We tend to look less or we tend to think less of pride. We tend to think that it's more acceptable, even a life of a Christian, but God says that a proud look or pride is an abomination to him. A lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and and here uh, here's a reminder to us as we think about these filthy dreamers, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. You know, as guardians of truth, I believe that this passage is telling us that we need to stand against three specific things in our day, and let me give them to you tonight. Number one. We need to stand against the perverting of the gospel. We need to stand against the perverting of the gospel. That is what he is saying in verse number 11, the way of Cain. How many could think about Cain and Abel and the story in the Old Testament of Cain and what Cain did, the way of Cain? It was a rebellion against God's salvation plan. It was rebellion against God's authority when it came to His redemption. When it came to... Because a lot of times we read that story and we think it's just about fruit. It has nothing to do with fruit. It has nothing to do with uh, Cain's garden. It has nothing to do... Can can I tell you that it's not a good passage to exegete for God's position on uh, wanting uh, us to eat meat rather than vegetables. That's not what the, uh, the, 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 the story's about. God's not against vegetables and He's not against fruit and He, he, he wasn't against uh, Cain using his gifts that he gave him to, to, to till the ground and to, and to be a farmer. And, and by the way, God's not saying that being a shepherd is better than being a farmer. Uh, we understand in that passage of Scripture that uh, by clothing Adam and Eve with the skins of slain animals, God made it clear that the only way of forgiveness is through the shedding of blood. That was the only means Uh, to forgiveness, uh, and the only way of salvation. This is the way of faith, not the way of good works. And so he's telling us, hey, salvation, how many know tonight, salvation is by grace, through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, the Bible says, lest any man should boast. But Cain, he rejected God's divine order, he rejected God's uh, divine plan of salvation, and he, he, he went to his works rather than faith. And by the way, we see in uh, Abel that it wasn't what Abel did that gained God's acceptance, it's the fact that Abel, by faith, came to God and offered by faith what God required. Offered by faith what God uh, called for. It was by faith that Abel's sacrifice was offered. And, and that is uh, why, we, uh, why God accepted it. God rejected Cain's offering because God rejected Cain. And the reason why God rejected Cain, because his heart was not right before God. That's what the Bible says. His heart was not right before God. You know, we understand uh, that today, in the day and age that we live in, there's a perversion... ...of the gospel. And that what God has called us to, believers tonight... ...God has called us to be guardians of the truth... ...against the perversion of the gospel. And I tell you tonight that as we, uh, we, we saw this morning... In, ...in Mark chapter number 4... ...we need to be sure that we understand the gospel ourselves. We need to be sure uh, of our own salvation. We need to work out our own salvation with fear... And trembling, We need to understand our own condition. And a lot of times what happens, come on, are you with me? We who are familiar to uh, tend to uh, go soft on or think of, and I can think, I mentioned this I think last week, uh, where, the, where, where folks in the church are, okay, when are we going to move past the gospel to something else? There is, there is no greater truth that the church needs to hear over and over and over again than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and by the way, all of the Bible is about the gospel. And when we go to the word of God, what we understand about God's word is it's just the gospel retold over and over and over again. And all of these markers, all of these stories that are there for our learning are teaching us about the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ and warning us against those that would pervert the gospel. And again, we've talked about, you know, the greatest compromise, I believe, in the church today is a compromise of not preaching the word of God not preaching the Word of God, preaching other things other than God's Word, uh, a following after uh, power-hungry, politicking, uh, you know, whatever it is that you uh, want to say, but current events or or just becoming popular people, you know, the, these uh, the pastors that are uh, kind of just uh, uh, positioning or posturing themselves in popularity rather than just preaching the Word and being instant in season and out of season and rebuking and exhorting with long-suffering and all the counsel of God and the doctrines of the Word of God. Because, hey, listen, tonight, let's be honest, the thing that is profitable to us is the Word of God. It's profitable to us for doctrine, uh, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Hey, if we're going to be perfectly uh, furnished unto the works that God has called, that He has before ordained that we would walk in hey we need to understand that what is going to bring us back to that is the preaching of the word of God not watered down preaching of the word of God but it begins with uh, a watering down of the gospel first and uh, while many today are are speaking about other things and ignoring the gospel it's, it's interesting that sometimes we just assume that everybody knows what the gospel is and the truth is is Whenever we have opportunity to speak, we ought to, we ought to preach the gospel. We ought to get the gospel in. Uh, because I never want to assume, even here we are on Sunday night, I never want to assume that everybody sitting in the room is a believer. As a matter of fact, I've come to the position of believing that even uh, many people who are current or 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 faithful to uh, church and church attendance sometimes come on. Uh, sometimes we're guilty of we're doing it because we're just legalistic, which is a perversion of the gospel. Liberalism is a perversion of the gospel, but so is legalism. Cheap grace is a perversion of the gospel, but so is easy believism. You know, uh, th- this idea that we can that we could just you know. Receive Christ on our own terms. That's not the gospel. When we come to Christ, we come on His terms or we don't come at all. That's what Jesus said. You come, you come by the way of the cross or you can't come. I think Jesus was pretty cut and dry when He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Me. I mean, Jesus was very clear about that. There is, by the way, we're not going to we're not going to say we're sorry uh, as a church when we say there's only one way to God and there's only one way to a relationship with Christ. And by the way, it's not through church membership and it's not through you being faithful. It's not by you becoming a Baptist. It's by you uh, confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus. It's by you repenting of your sin and turning away from your old life to Jesus Christ and being transformed uh, through the power of the gospel gospel of Jesus Christ. Boy, uh, this idea that uh, somebody might be saved. (laughs) The idea is sometimes I think we are trying to give false hope to people who have no interest at all in what the true gospel is. You know, I, I don't want to preach the gospel ever and give hope to people who are hopeless, who are hopelessly lost and kind of make them feel a little little better about their condition. You know, the truth is, is when we have opportunity to confront people, listen, our confrontation should not be about the clothes that they're wearing or the habits that they have, but rather, have they considered Christ? And have they looked at Jesus? And by the way, how many know that when you come to Christ, oh boy, it changes the way you dress and it changes the way you walk and it changes the way you talk and it changes where you go and the things you used to do, you don't do them anymore. But may we never as a church start with that. May we not with the church say, hey, listen, you need to clean up your life and quit this and quit that and start doing this and start doing that and you know, then we'll accept you as a church and maybe eventually God will accept you. God forbid that we should preach legalism. God forbid that we should preach easy believism. There's not a one, two, three, repeat after me prayer that brings people into the kingdom of God. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. There's no works that any person can do to get their way to heaven. And if we're trusting in anything else other than the finished work of Jesus Christ, we are on sinking sand and we will perish. The perverting of the gospel is the way of Cain. It's a rebellion against salvation and as guardians of truth, we must stand against it. Number two, uh, the second thing that we must stand against is the promoting of compromise. The promoting of compromise. This is mentioned in the way of Balaam in verse number 11, where the first perverting of the gospel, the way of Cain, is a rebellion against salvation. The second thing mentioned is a rebellion against separation. How many know that when I separate from the world, I separate to God? Sometimes we focus so much on what we separate from that we forget that we are separate to God. That when I'm separate to God, think about it in the context of a marriage. If you would think about it in the context of a marriage relationship, it is not bad news, it is wonderful news. When I said I do to my wife, one of the things that I needed to assent to is that I would keep myself only unto her as long as we both should live. You know what that meant? I'm not going to cheat on her. Not with my eyes, not with my mind, not with my heart and not with my body. Now I'd like to say that I've held that vow perfectly, but I'd be lying to you. I'm a man. Come on, are you with me? We okay with that tonight? You know, I'd like to say that I've held to that perfectly. You say, "Oh, you're 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 confessing something." What's, what's Pastor talking about? No, 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 no. I'm not talking about with body. But but how many of us know that uh, there is a? Uh, there's a alluring, there's a temptation, there's a lust, and, and the Bible talks about that as an appetite that we need to manage. A man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And by the way, that's something that every man in the room has to deal with. That's something that we need to be careful of. And you know, it's interesting as we think about the promoting of compromise. One of the ways that compromise was pr- promoted uh, by Uh, Balaam, uh, the Bible mentions it in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 14. It tells us uh, the problem, but I have few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols. You know what that was? Spiritual adultery. And then the second thing was he mentioned in the doctrine of Balaam in, in Revelation 2:14, is to commit fornication." Well, that have been uh, cheating in other parts of their life. But these filthy dreamers, uh, they have uh, conjured up, they have a, a mindset, they live in an imaginary uh, world theologically where we can kind of just make our own salvation. We can make our own ideas about separation. But can I remind us tonight that when God called us, He called us out of darkness into light. That God called us from death unto life. That God called us from the world into His family. And he says, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. How many are glad that what's unclean to us as believers is not the same things that were unclean to those Israelites in the Old Testament? <laughs> Anybody, I, I had, uh, I'll had. i confess tonight, and I, I don't mean by any way to be prideful or offend, but this afternoon, uh, my wife made uh, one of our favorites uh, for lunch. It was breakfast for lunch. How many like breakfast any time of the day? And we had some bacon. Some of you, oh, the mess just got, everything gets better with bacon. The message even gets better. When you mention bacon, I mean, it just, just, whoa, the message just got good, Pastor Bacon, all right? Talk about that. Again, I don't mean to to offend if you don't eat meat or you don't eat bacon, and I'm not meaning to To flaunt that, but what I would say is that I am glad that the things that were unclean to the Israelites are not unclean to us, but they were a picture, they were symbolic of separation, and today we're not underneath the Mosaic law as believers, but we're under grace, but God is still teaching us through the Mosaic Law, that we have a God who is a jealous God and wants us to be separated to Him. And He does not want us to be mixing with our old life. He doesn't want us to be mixing with worldliness and the promoting of compromise. The, The false teachers were greedy for material gain here. This is what Jude is warning against. Balaam would do anything for money I gonna know that the love of money is the root of all evil. The error of Balaam is thinking that you can get away with this kind of rebellion. Balaam was a true prophet of God. God called him. He was a prophet of God. But he prostituted his gifts and sought to destroy God's people for the love of money. There are things that have caused the prophets of God to fail, and I think that they're the same today as they were back then. Uh, Prophets of God, preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ fall for power and fall for women and fall for money. And boy, we're just no different today than they were back then. And God tells us that we need to protect ourselves in those areas because, uh, hey, listen, the weaknesses are the same. In those areas, we need to make sure that we are guardians of our own heart and of the truth of God's word. And you notice that there's people today that are, uh, are, are preaching or compromising the area of separation. Um, I will say this, that anybody is welcome at any time to enter and to sit and to participate in any service that our church has. These are public services. We don't have private, this is not a private club. This is a place for anyone to come, and anyone is welcome. But I will say this, not anyone is welcome to be in membership in our church. You know, the membership of our church is for born-again believers who are following Jesus, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that, those are members of our church. We're not just trying to gain a following or just adding members to the church just because we want to have more members in the church membership, when it comes to church membership, I've been saved, I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ, saved, baptized, disciples of Jesus Christ. Now that's what God calls us in. There's the promoting of compromise today, the way of Balaam. And, and by the way, it's, it's for money. You know, it's tempting when you don't have a lot of money and you're limited in your resources. Boy, it's tempting. We could do a lot of things, church, to get more money. We could do a lot of things. But boy, don't we to be careful that that doesn't become the goal? That that's not why we're here? That our goal is not to just gain more money? That our goal is not... And listen, listen, if you want to write a check for a million dollars, I'm i not going to ask where it came from tonight. But I tell you, I'm not going to stop preaching the truth no matter how many zeros you put on the check. The truth is not for sale. We're not going to become something else for money, we're not going to compromise the truth of God's word for money. I could think of a million things I could do with a million dollars, but but I tell you tonight, uh, God is not broke. God is not broke, and and my confidence and faith is not in what has clinked in the offering plate today, but in the God of heaven, who is able to supply all of our need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The promoting of compromise, the way of Balaam is the rebellion against separation. I I, I just want to note that the doctrine of Balaam is you can violate your separated position and get away with it. That's the doctrine of Balaam. You can violate your separated position and get away with it. I, I often tire of this false teaching and preaching of what separation is. As if separation is us all becoming like one another. Separation is not you becoming like me. Separation is you being yielded to God. Separation is not where we all align in our preferences. Separation is where we all align in God's word. You know, a false separation can be built up within the church. A a, a false standard of being a guardian of truth can be built up in the church where we don't smoke and we don't chew and we don't run with those that do and, you know, we're holier than thou because we're separated. Hey, hey, listen, the Pharisees had that kind of separation and they were lost. They didn't know Christ. We never think our separation is about our list of things that we use to prop ourselves up. What props us up, what holds us up is the grace of God. And without His grace, we don't stand tonight. The promoting of compromise and lastly tonight, the popularity of slander. The popularity of slander. As guardians of truth, we give ourselves to what the Word of God says we need to contend against. I believe tonight we need to contend against the perverting of the gospel. I believe tonight we need to contend against the promoting of compromise. And I believe tonight that we need to contend against the popularity of slander. Notice what uh, verse number 11 says to us about this Woe unto them. In other words, you're not going to get away with this. For they have gone in the way of Cain. You cannot compromise salvation, they've ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. You cannot get away with leaving separation. And then the Bible tells us, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor." If you want to know the full story of who Kor is or Korah in the Bible, you can go to Numbers chapter number 16. As a matter of fact, let's just go there quickly and we'll finish with this tonight as we look at this last point. Numbers chapter number 16. You okay? Everybody all right? Numbers chapter number 16. It's in the Old Testament. Everybody got it? Numbers chapter number 16. Pastors have to say it a lot because we're turning there too. The Bible says, Now Korah the son of Izhar the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abraham, the sons of Eliab, and On the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses. With certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly. Notice what kind of men. Famous in the congregation, men of renown. This might have been the first deacons meeting, I don't know. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Notice this Moses's Moses' response. When he heard it, he rang their necks. When, when he heard it, he, he engaged in argument. No, no. When he heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spake unto Korah and unto all the company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. And, and even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do take ye censers Korah and all his company, and put fire therein and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. It's interesting if you read on what happened, but it didn't go well for Korah and those that followed after him against the man that God had set up for them in authority. As you go back to the book of Jude, you notice in the text that we opened up with in verse number 8, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, they despise dominion, notice they speak evil of dignities. Would you agree with me tonight, church, that today, just like in many days, and just like in history, that slander is popular? Gossip is popular. Speaking evil of those in authority is popular. By the way, it's on the rise even more today, as we see people taking a stand on issues. And while they take a stand on issues, they are speaking evil of those that are in authority. And I say this, you can take a stand for what's right without speaking evil of those that are in authority. It is possible. But in our day, hey, listen, without the grace of God, it's impossible. And while there are many that are in authority who are evil, and many in authority who, hey, listen, can I remind us tonight that the spiritual wickedness is in high places. Sometimes we think it's in the dark alleys. The Bible says it's in high places. Spiritual wickedness is in high places places of authority, places of power. But you notice that as we see the popularity of slander on the rise, the gainsaying of core is still alive and well today. It's a rebellion against service. It's a rebellion against servants of God. It's a rebellion against... Listen, I I hear so many Christians today using this excuse, well, you know, there's a lot of bad preachers out there, and so I just don't need to go to church. (laughs) That's an easy way to be lazy. That's that's an easy way to excuse yourself from being obedient to God. But can I remind you tonight that God doesn't excuse you from that, His command to uh, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I understand tonight I'm preaching to the choir. We're here. But can I remind you tonight that sometimes the choir needs preaching and sometimes they need it the most. You know, as God is... Uh, reminding us tonight that one of the characteristics of apostates is that they rebel against authorities. That they speak evil of dignitaries. That the popularity of and and his followers, they resented the leadership of Moses and dared God to do anything about their rebellion. And speaking against, that's that Gain saying, the Bible's talking about Moses, they were speaking against the Lord who had given Moses his authority. When you shake your fist at God-given authority, you shake your fist at God. And can I remind us all tonight that God has a much bigger fist than any of us. You can write on the wall that God is dead, but if God writes on the wall that you are dead, you're in trouble. His word endures. His word stands. What God says comes to pass. What man says doesn't. And listen, in the face of adversity, in the face of rebellion, in the face of criticism, may we as Christians earnestly contend for the faith. Hey, may we remember that a lying tongue is on the list of things that we read tonight, of things that God hates. For us not to open up our mouths against, we need to remind ourselves tonight, especially in a day where uh, we have so much information. Would you agree tonight that we have much more information about people than we need? In essence, we have been given the opportunity to be a peeping Tom into everyone's life. I hate to use, I'm sorry, I used the word, to, I hate to use someone's name, all right? You know, you got what I'm saying. But to look into people's lives in ways that God never intended us to look into their lives. We have so much information tonight, but listen, what we do with the information is really. Shows our character, doesn't it? You know, just because it's available to look at doesn't mean you should look. Just because it's available to read doesn't mean you should read it. Just because it's available to your eyes doesn't mean that you need to indulge in it. As things become more and more available to us, may be reminded of the fact that yes... As I can hear a lot of things, sometimes the decision I need to make as a believer is to turn it off. I don't li- need to listen to people slander authority. By the way, I don't, I, don't, I don't care whether it's Christian authority or, or, or authority that's in government. And there, it doesn't matter whether we have a sitting president that aligns with your political views or not. Slander against those in authority is Sinful. It doesn't matter whether they are aligned to your political opinion or not, but slander against authority is sinful. Say amen if you agree with that. You need to hear that you agree with that. Because the next time we have opportunity to slander those who we do not politically align with, may we be reminded of that we are not to slander those that God has placed in authority. But pray for them especially those, the Bible says, who are kings, especially those who are in government authority. And can we be reminded tonight that God is in control no matter who is in authority. God is in control. In the case of Korah, he was rebelling against a good leader. He was rebelling against God's leader. He was rebelling against someone who was holy before the Lord. Well, that's even more dangerous, isn't it? Boy, when we slander the man of God because we don't like what he's doing. We don't like what he's saying. And some people, they they love to put themselves in a position of slandering God's men. I I don't ever want to slander a man of God, a person that God's... That's why I love jurisdiction when it comes to judgment. Because as far as being an independent Baptist, you know what I love? The part of being an independent Baptist, the independent part. The fact tonight that I am not over what another man does in the congregation, God is. It's not for me to say. Now, that doesn't mean that I can't say that if something is unbiblical is happening that I can say. But here's the thing. I've got enough on my plate dealing with what God has placed in our church community here and in my life and in my marriage and my children. I need to stay focused there. You know, often I find that people that have opinions about everybody else in leadership often is not leading in their own life. It's a deflection of. It's like the couch quarterback, the armchair quarterback. We love to give advice to people while we sit lazily by and do nothing. Well, if I was in that position, well, you never will be because you don't have the character. If I'm not serving God, I, I, and listen, how many know that we should be so busy in our service to God that we don't have time for gossip? We don't have time for slander. By the way, slandering in your own church, that's like shooting yourself in the foot. Literally, because that person you're slandering, they'd be the foot in the body of Christ. Shooting yourself in the foot is not wise. You know, as we think about it, listen, I, I listen to some people talk about their church, and I'm like, boy, why do you go there? Why do they let you go there? I mean, what in the world? Do we love the church? Do we understand the church is imperfect? Do we understand that the church needs to grow in its maturity and likeness to Christ? But do you understand that you're part of the church and that you need to grow in likeness and maturity and become more like Jesus? Interesting how we can be so slanderous about things that are in other people's lives so that we imbalance because we're deflecting away from things that are in our lives that need to be corrected. It's much easier to remove the splinter from someone else's eye while you have a beam protruding from your head. There's so many things that we love to point out. Well, if you just were this, if you just were, if we just did this and we just did that. It's interesting how many people have opinions, and what I find more and more is that people with a lot of opinions usually are doing very little. Because all their energy and all their efforts is focused on their opinion of everyone else. Can I remind us tonight that God has called us to serve him? This selfish Moses, slander is selfish, slander is self focused. Korah was lifting himself up and he was forgetting that the only way to leadership in God's economy is humility. And what a great picture. He slandered Moses. What did Moses do? Fell on his face. Moses showed why he was a leader. He humbled himself, fell on his face. Well, I understand that he was doing something as an example. He was doing something uh, to show uh, how how much what, he, what Korah was doing bothered him. But may we be more like that, oh boy, that we would be so sensitive to gossip and slander and things that break up the body of Christ. I would never listen to, someone in the church criticizing the church. And so I'd never listen to someone not in the church criticizing the church. I don't have time for that. Hey, listen, we shouldn't have time for that. By the way, it won't be long before you're not in the church when you listen to that. You know, sometimes the old preachers used to say, after church you go home and you have preacher pie and Deacon Dumplings and Sister Stew and Brother Broth. You just get your fill on just cutting everybody up. So many people are full of that. And the church is not better off for it. It's one of the major problems that breaks a church apart. When you start listening to someone, be critical. And I'm not just saying it because it's self-serving. I'm your pastor tonight and I understand. But listen, I'd like to think that we would be guardians against that. If somebody is going to talk about one of the people that go to our church, boy, I'm going to defend. Why? Because they're God's children. They're God's children. You ever see the indignation that comes when someone talks about somebody's child? The Indignation that comes to the mother? Not my. Not my. There's a protection there, isn't there? A maternal, listen, that's the kind of love that we should have for one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. I'm not talking about we cover up sin here. But I'm talking about that We are so concerned and compassionate for one another that when there is sin, that we deal with it biblically. That we deal with it biblically. That we take heed to ourselves lest we fall, but that we also pursue restoration, peace, pray for, lift up those that are fallen and love them. I think as God has called us in this passage the Gardens of Truth, we must stand against, number one, the perverting of the gospel, the way of Cain, rebellion against salvation. We must stand against the promoting of compromise, the way of Balaam, rebellion against separation. And We must stand against the popularity of slander, the gainsaying of Korah, rebellion against service. God judged Korah and his followers, and he established clearly the authority of his servant Moses. If God has placed authorities in our lives, may we not have the characteristics of those who are apostate today that hate authority and rebel against it. Rather, may we be as believers should be, that we would prayerfully, respectfully, that we would submit ourselves to the authorities that God has placed in our lives and that we would love them and pray for them and lift them up before Christ especially under those that are the household of faith. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.